0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, January 2nd, 2021. Well, the new year often brings thoughts of college football, as the most important games of the season are often played right at this time. And it gets me thinking about one of the best college football stories I have ever heard. And it comes from my parents in the days when they were students at the University of Southern California. And it was a story of one of the greatest comebacks in the history of football. The USC Trojans were playing their arch rifle, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And even though Notre Dame got off to a 24 to nothing lead, USC scored the next 55 points of the game and won 55 to 24. Now the part of the story that I always found the most interesting and the most entertaining was what was going on in the second half of the game. When the Trojans were just doing whatever they wanted and scoring at will, my parents told me that they had heard from friends who were on the team that as the Trojans would huddle up and then call the plays as they then broke and went to the line of scrimmage to begin the play, they would laugh. They were so confident in that moment and and the game had swung so completely in their direction that they knew what they were going was going to work and they knew whatever schemes that the fighting Irish had on defense, they weren't going to work and they laughed their way. To victory in this incredible comeback. Well, today I want us to think about laughter and it doesn't have anything to do with a football game or sports. It has everything to do with God in heaven looking at those that would try to oppose him. And we're going to look today at Psalm 2 in the first six verses of the Psalm. And it begins this way. It says, why do the nations rage? I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And so, if you think about those first few verses, and nations raging, peoples plotting in vain, kings of the earth and rulers uh, count taking counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed—that's a reference to the Messiah. So now we we can know ultimately that's talking about against Jesus Christ, uh, and we see the, these schemes against Him. Now, if you open your eyes and you look out at the world that we live in, you should see examples of this all over the place, right? We we see whole nations that are just violently opposed to God and violently opposed to Jesus Christ, where Christians... Are persecuted. We see it in just movements or ideas uh, that that are against God. A, a new strong form of atheism in our world that rejects even mocks Christianity, even makes God out to be evil. We we see this in evil policies being passed by governments that would either outlaw Christianity or promote um, sinful, rebellious things like abortion. We, we see this all over. The place, what's going on in verses one through three. And even if we look in our own culture, in the United States of America, I think we should see more and more concerning things happen as our culture drifts farther and farther away from God and more and more, and just to a secularist, uh, materialistic, even atheistic point of view. But in response to all of this, he who sits in the heavens laughs. None of the schemes of the world can stop what God is doing. He is so confident in what he is doing that he is not worried about the silly schemes of sinful men, but he is supremely confident and he is seated on the throne. And even he talks about he has set his king on Zion. I think that's another reference ultimately to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this as we think about, and we should be concerned by so many of the troubling and evil things that we see in the world, but we also see God laughing Uh, God so in control that he is not bothered um, or or concerned that somehow these schemes will succeed and remove him from power. how, How should we think in response to that? Well, a few things. One, we should not be afraid. Uh, Right, And as Christians, we have to carefully think through so many things, and there's so much in our world that should concern us. We should certainly not be applauding uh, some of the sinful things that are being advanced in our society or around the world. We should be mourning over those things, and we should prayerfully consider what God would call us to, how we should be salt and light in this world world. But as we think about the legitimate concerns that we have, we have to just concern ourselves that they don't become illegitimate concerns, that we don't cross the line into looking at all the concerning things that are going on in the world. And we start to fear. Well, we have to remember that God is on the throne, that ultimately these uh, wicked, uh, People and just wicked schemes in the world will not succeed. Christ will reign. If you read through the Bible with us last year, we saw that so much at the end. Christ is going to return. He will rule. He will conquer and nothing, even though literally in the end times, it looks as if the nations of the world will gather against him to fight Uh, in a military way against Jesus Christ, they will not succeed. So as Christians, we we should not be afraid. Uh, Another thing is we think about this, we should never be intimidated. We should never be intimidated. That even though the world might pressure us into trying to get us to not believe certain things that the Bible clearly teaches or to not take a stand for the word of God or to back down from elements of the gospel for us to say, no, no, we, we will never do that. We will continue to serve the king and we will not be intimidated by what the world says, because we know that he who sits in the heavens laughs And I think if we look even at those who have been faithful, even under persecution, even to the point of death, they were much more concerned with what God thought. They were concerned about the king of kings and not whatever political pressures were being faced on them to be unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should not fear. We should not be intimidated. And Another thing is we should not be distracted that while we are concerned about things that are going on in the world and we should be, and we should prayerfully be asking God, how can I be salt and light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We also need to realize that what's going on in the culture, what's going on on the outside is not the only enemy that we face. As Christians who are have been redeemed we, we still have the problem of this this flesh. We still have problems from the inside that we need to guard against. And so while we do want to be watchful and wise about the concerns we have from a uh, a culture that is getting worse and worse, we also need to realize we have problems within ourselves as well that we want to be vigilant against our own flesh. We want to wage that war as well against the sinful passions of our flesh that we will still have to deal with until we meet the Lord. So this little Psalm, I think, can give us so much perspective and help today. But as we consider even just our own spiritual struggles against our our flesh, or we even think about the spiritual struggle we have in the world, I think we'll be helped with some other thoughts from other passages that we look at today. Next, let's look at Genesis chapters 4 and 5. Genesis 4 and 5. And there's a couple phrases in particular that I want us to look at and to get our attention. And the first is at the end of chapter four. Now that chapter four tells the sad story of Cain and Abel and how Cain murders his brother. And then we read about the descendants of Cain, but we also see Adam then has another son, a son named Seth. And it says in the last verse of chapter four, in verse 26, to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. I think simply this is a reference even to, to prayer or, or to worship, that people were, were seeking God. They were calling on his name. They were looking to him for help. I think that's another thought that we should see is we, you know, even describing Cain's descendants We start to see a a worsening culture. We we start to see sin emerging. Even in some of his descendants, we see it in Cain. We, We see kind of this rebellious spirit in one of his descendants named Lamech. But we also see in contrast to all that, there are people who are calling on the name of the Lord. In our day and age, let's be those people. The people that in the midst of a, a sinful world, we are calling on the name of the Lord. We are seeking him. And another phrase in, in verse 5 that I want us to think about is used to describe a unique individual, a man named Enoch. And it tells us there in that genealogy that he lived for 65 years and then had a son named Methuselah. And then after that, the normal pattern here is it tells us how much longer they lived and then they died. But here in verse 22 of chapter 5, it says Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now that's about 600 years shorter than other people in this chapter. What happened? Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Wow. So Enoch walked with God and God just apparently kind of took him straight to heaven. He, he, He took him to be with him. Uh, And he walked with God. That's the other phrase. I think those are two good phrases, even as we're still early in this new year, for us to think about. We want to be the people that are calling on the name of the Lord. We want to be the people that are walking with God. In Hebrews 11, it talks about Enoch and it talks about him pleasing God. And it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would come to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So may may those be challenges to us early this year, that we want to seek God and call upon His name every day this year. And and more than that, not just every day, we want that to be our mindset all day, every day. We want to walk with God. We want when we have trouble arise in your life today, we want the response to be, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. Every minute of every day, I'm going to be seeking God. I'm going to be leaning on God. I'm going to be seeking to please God. That should be our heart. And I want you to spend some time even considering how can you do that today? How can you walk closely with God and seek to please him? today. And even this idea of prayer, I want us to remember how powerful that can be. So we continue early on in the book of Acts. And today, look at chapter one, verses nine through 14. And and we know Acts is going to be an incredible book with um, stories of revival and missions and, and the church growing all over the known world. But look at how it starts. Look at really verse 14, it describes the the disciples that are still alive. And in verse 14, it says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And in the next verse, it tells us there was about 120 people gathered together. All the excitement that we're going to see in the book of Acts, it begins with a smaller group of people committed to prayer. I want to see God do great things in 2021. I want to see God do great things through Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley. Or maybe you're a part of another church and you're you're praying for God to do great things there. Let's start by calling on the name of the Lord and seeking him in prayer. And realizing so many of the battles we want to see won this year will be fought in private in prayer. And may that be a call to us to to see the power of prayer and also to commit ourselves to it. Finally, we look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And here we see the biggest glimpse into a man that we don't get a lot of information about in the scripture, and that is Joseph. Uh, Joseph, who I guess is the legal father of of Jesus, you know, the husband of Mary, but we know he is not directly the father of Christ because Mary was a virgin when she gave birth. And we see more of Joseph's angle of the story today. And it's a good reminder for us just to understand this would have been hard for Joseph. It says here that he was planning on quietly divorcing Mary because she was with child. Uh, So he probably struggled to believe that what she was saying, that she was a virgin, but somehow had conceived through the Holy Spirit. Uh, He probably found that hard to believe. But here we see him, uh, an angel appearing to him. And, and telling him the truth about what was really going on. And it's a pretty remarkable that Joseph responds with obedience. He trusts God and, and, and follows him even in what would have been an incredibly difficult situation. So an interesting highlight of from Joseph there, someone who clearly trusted God enough to do difficult and courageous Things, But as we look out at the world, we we need a resolve to do difficult and courageous things. And that resolve is going to come from remembering God is on the throne. No matter what the culture is doing, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He is supremely in control. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.